I had to break to a level that was so massive that there were not pieces to pick up to put me back together. There were none. There was dust from the pieces breaking so incredibly. There was nothing to put me back together. So I had zero option. I needed to sit down and take a hard look and go, who am I now? Now what? Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the conclusion of the premiere episode of the brand new Pretty Uncomfortable podcast. In this episode, I'm going to conclude my story. This will be part two of my journey to madness. It seems fitting of a title, doesn't it? (laughs) So I'm not going to get into my normal intros. We're just going to dive right back into where we left off in part one, which if you remember, I was on that sad little car ride to the emergency room where I knew I was headed to being admitted into a mental health facility. So I'm going to bring you along on my trip into the admissions process, into the mental health facility. I will discuss how it was getting home from all of that and the incredible struggles I had with that, as well as discussing the feeling of when you are trapped in a situation that you know you shouldn't be in, but you are not able to admit even to yourself. And I will also go into more detail about how I somehow managed to find strength from the damage that was done to me and how I truly, truly feel that all of those things had to happen for me to be the person that I am today, sitting in front of this microphone and as strange and as fucked up as it sounds. I'm actually very thankful for the entire experience. So thank you for listening to part one and I am honored that you are back to listen to part two. So we're just going to dive right back in, jump in exactly where we left off. I go to the hospital, of course, they're like, oh, she's gonna, she's gonna go. I, I have to be brought to like their psych ward until they can get a bed opened up for me somewhere. Um, the psych ward was terrifying. I was the only female. Um, everybody that was there was very unwell. It was so scary. I just stayed in the room and I just like laid there curled up in a ball, dead, just dead staring at a wall, empty. And they call me out and there's a police officer standing there. And I was like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know what I thought, like I was going to teleport to wherever I had to go. I I don't know. But seeing the officer, oh man, you want to talk about feeling small, feeling put in your place, when you realize you need to be put in the back of a police car to be transported to a mental health facility to be observed and to be kept safe. That's a reality check for you. That is a fucking ego check. And off I went in the police car. When I got to the facility, like I said, I don't have health insurance. So there are different versions of mental health facilities and the version that you go to that accepts people without insurance is rough. The staff there was horrible. 
which was very upsetting to me because actually in my very, very early 20s, I was a psych tech. I worked in a mental health facility. I worked in one that did not take insurance. So I saw the worst of the worst. I went through a lot of experiences there, um, some very scary things, but I was taught compassion no matter what you have compassion for these people, no matter who they are. I don't care if it's your housewife that has just had a nervous breakdown or if it's that homeless man that you see every day under the bridge and now he's there and he is talking to people that aren't there and he's swinging at you and he thinks everybody's conspiring against him. Compassion for everybody on every level. So it was very hard to go into a facility where there was zero compassion And it made the whole experience worse. And you want to talk about uncomfortable. Let's get pretty uncomfortable here. When you go to someplace like this and get checked in, they need to make sure you're safe, right? That means safe from hurting yourself. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to make sure that there's nothing the person can harm you with. Mostly, they're making sure that you are safe and you're not going to harm yourself. And so just like you see on the shows when they're going to prison and they have to strip down naked and squat and cough. That's right. Squat and cough. Pretty uncomfortable. That's a hard moment. That's a moment I don't talk about very often, even like with friends, because you feel yourself on a whole different level. And I was just present enough to feel it, but not present enough to, to feel shame at that moment, which now looking back, like it's such a shameful feeling, like, oh, it, all of it. But I was just kind of this little ghost floating through and I was sort of there, but I wasn't there. I ended up staying there for I don't even know. It was a very short period of time um, that night and then the following night. And then I got out in like the afternoon, evening. I don't know. I was there for maybe 48 hours. I don't even think that long. It was horrible. I didn't eat the entire time. I barely drank. I drank some water out of the bathroom sink. Nobody checked on me. And nobody was like, hey, this patient hasn't left her bedroom. This patient hasn't eaten a fucking thing. My experience with the psychiatrist was horrendous and he should feel shame for the way he practices. The only thing that got me through is my best friend would call me and they allowed my therapist to call me and she would talk me through. She called me numerous times a day and she would just talk me through the day. Her and my best friend had been talking and so they were creating a plan for me when I got home. So she started prepping me for leaving and just making sure I understood like you're safe, you're good, you have your home back, you have your life back. And so yeah, I went home and had to start the journey of how do you come back from this? How how do you come back from from being under so much pressure that everything shuts down in you because that was very scary that when I realized and I started hearing a lot of what happened in understanding 
my behaviors during that time and my actions, it was suddenly like you're, you're fearful. Like if you've ever had a panic attack, you have one and you're terrified of it ever happening again. And suddenly I'm like, if my mind is capable of this, can I do it again? Will, will it happen again? Is this going to happen again? What if it does? What if I don't have the safety net that somehow I fucking luckily fell into and things don't go as, as good as they went this time? And that's saying a lot considering this did not go well, right? It was very scary to trust my mind again. And I wasn't safe for quite some time. Um, I never told anybody that I had that medication hid. I kept it hidden. I created a plan um, where I knew I had an end goal if things didn't get better. I had decided I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And saying that out loud is, that's uncomfortable because that's vulnerable. But yeah, I I kept that medicine stashed. Um because my plan wasn't for the near future. I decided to be like a responsible adult in my plan of death, apparently, and tried to be very reasonable. And I thought nothing's going to get better right away because this went as bad as it could fucking go, right? Like this went fucking bad. Nothing that is this bad can get good quick. So I need to be realistic here and I can't expect that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and feel okay. I can't expect that I'm going to wake up next week and feel okay. I don't know when I'm going to feel okay. I just know that if I don't feel okay for too long, I'm not doing it. And it's really funny to me because that's a huge fucking statement to say to yourself. That's a huge agreement to have with yourself of like, I'm going to exit I today cannot tell you what time frame I gave myself. I know that it was long enough. Like, I know I was generous with my time. And and I think it was like three months of like, if I can't get my shit together, if I can't come out of this, if I can't survive without the only support I have, which was my mom, I, I can't. I can't. I won't. I don't want to. And that was three years ago. And I'm here. There's, there's no purpose of me telling this story other than I wanted to honor the new podcast name and like fucking christen it, like go big or go home. And this is the most uncomfortable I've ever been. I don't discuss this with people. Um, numerous people I know, know different fragments of this story. Nobody knows the full story maybe they never will. I I might not ever share the full story, but I can tell you what I have just shared with you. I have spent a lot of time with different people and they don't know half of what I've just told you. Almost every date I go on, ask me what happened to my arm. Almost every single date, because you can see like there is a scar that is running down and where I cut, like it, it kind of pops out. Like if I move my arm just right with the tendons, like it's, it's, it's visible. Um, I got a tattoo on my finger that I broke because it didn't heal well at all because I had to go into that mental health facility. They wouldn't allow me to keep my finger splinted and wrapped. 
And so it healed very, very poorly. And every time I looked at it, it was a reminder of my level of anger and my loss of self-control. It was a reminder of the level of violence I was capable of. And it was a reminder of what pushed me to all of that. And it was really hard to look at every day. And you always see your hands. Like you, you, your hands are there every day. And so I got a tattoo on my finger that represents the title of a poem. And this poem came from one of those little calendars that are like the daily calendar that has, you know, sometimes they have a quote or whatever on them. This was from a specific poet. And the funny thing is my mom bought me this and I actually followed this poet on Instagram, which she didn't even know, but I loved this guy's work. His name is R.H. Sin. So she sends me this calendar and I keep it in my bathroom in like my master bath where I get ready every day. And I end up throwing this calendar away because it is essentially, and I don't know if my mom did this on purpose or not. (laughs) She probably fucking did. It is essentially speaking to a woman that has just been beat down. And I don't mean necessarily physically, but just like emotionally and mentally and just being with the wrong people. And when you're not ready to see your situation, somebody can paint you the most accurate picture of your situation and they can sit you down right in front of it and they can point out every detail of this picture and you still will not see it because you're not ready to your your ego won't let you you know your pride won't let you you cannot admit that you're wrong you cannot admit defeat i am going to show you that you're all wrong you will not see the picture until you're ready and so Every time I flipped that fucking calendar, I would see another like little poem that was somebody sitting me down in front of that picture that I didn't want to fucking look at. And I eventually threw it away because it pissed me off so much. But before I threw it away, there was a poem that when I read it, it kind of took my breath away and I tore it out and I put it on my fridge and I looked at that thing for well over a year before all of this stuff happened and it hurt every time I looked at it but I looked at it every day and the poem is titled 14 Carat," and it says woman you are a poem written in ink derived from gold and I find that fucking gorgeous I find it gorgeous but I would look at that and I would hurt and I would ache and I would wonder why am I not seen as golden ink? Why am I not somebody's gold? Why am I not somebody's poem? Why? What is wrong with me that I can't be this? I want to be whoever this poem was written for. I want to be her. And why can't I be? Why can't I attract whoever wrote that poem? What is wrong with me? And suddenly I realized It's because I'm not surrounding myself with poets. And so I'm not going to be surrounded by people that see the beauty in me and see the goodness in me and know that you have to respect it and honor it and cherish it like we should do with everybody. 
Instead, I'm surrounding myself around with fucking people that are reading, you know, comic books, if that, right? Like, I'm hanging out with jokes. Of course, I'm not going to be with somebody that can see me for what I am. But it took me a long time to understand that. And that poem brought me so much hurt until the moment I actually saw it and felt it. And then it gave me so much power. So when I realized that this finger had not healed well, I even went back to my hand surgeon because just prior to all of this shit storm, I had had carpal tunnel surgery done on both of my hands um, during COVID. So I went to my hand surgeon and I was like, fix this finger, fix it. And he was like, I can't. And I'm like, break it again, hammer it, like break it right now and put it back in a splint. Break it right now. Like, I, like I'll pre- like sign me out. Pretend I'm not even a patient. We'll do it in the back alley. I don't care. Do you have a hammer? Do you have like, what can you do? Fucking break it so I can reset it, splint it and have it be good. And he was like, no, that's it. That's what you got. It was such a fucking hard visual reminder. And suddenly I was like, yes, yes. 14 carat. I want to see fucking 14 carat every goddamn day. And I want to know that eventually somebody is going to appreciate me for what I am. And in the meantime, I know what I am. I fucking know. And as cheesy as this sounds, like this is so fucking cheesy. This might be the biggest cheese I've ever dropped. Like just this whole episode compared to everything else. But like, I know I can write my own poems for myself. I don't need somebody else. So it's interesting to me that the worst time period of my entire life. And that is speaking volumes because I went through something very, very dark when I was a teenager. So it's, it speaks volumes that this period was the hardest I have ever gone through, the scariest I've ever gone through. There are days that I question why I'm here. Like I'm shocked that I survived. I don't know how I did. Because when I look back, I see, I see the planning I was doing. I see everything I was setting up and I see where I was going with it. And it was just to end so that I am alive today, three years later, crying on a podcast to strangers about this, still struggling. Do not get me fucking wrong. I still struggle. It has been three years and I still do a lot of therapy. I am maxed out on my Wellbutrin dose. (laughs) Like you cannot give me more antidepressants. I've got the highest dose you can get. I'm not okay all the time. I have hard times. I have dark times. I have times where I'm feeling despondent, but I survived. And it made me realize that all the times that people are like, oh, things are bad, but you just have to, you know, you, you broke a little bit, put your pieces back together and make something new. Sometimes that's not good enough because when you broke and those pieces fell, you're still collecting those pieces that have your brokenness all over them and you're just putting them right back on. And so you're still fragile and you're still breakable and more so now because it's, it's now you've just got these fissures, right? And you've just got these fault lines and you've just kind of collected it all and put it right back on you. And as horrible as that entire like time frame was, as scary as it was, as, as embarrassing as it was, I am thankful. This might sound absurd, but I'm thankful that I broke 
that hard that I broke to a degree that there was no coming back from. I could not come back from the girl that was on that floor that was broken bones, bleeding and screaming. There was no coming back from her. Absolutely not. If I tried to put those pieces back together, honestly, I probably would have hit the three month mark and said, hi, honestly, I was not going to be okay if I put those pieces and just started putting that all back together and mingling it all in and mixing it up and trying to work from that to make something new because that's it's tainted with that. I had to break to a level that was so massive that there were not pieces to pick up to put me back together. There were none. There was powder. <laughs> like There was dust from the pieces breaking so incredibly. There was nothing to put me back together. So I had zero option, no choice whatsoever. I couldn't sweep everything up and, and do the work and put myself back together. Nope. No, I need to sit down and take a hard look and go, who am I now? Now what? And I'm here and I fucking love who I am. I'm fucked up. It's like, I've got some issues, you know, and I might for the rest of my life. I adore who I am. I have low self-esteem. I don't have good self-confidence. Like I, I truly don't. And yet, I can still say I love me. I love who I am. And the girl I am today would not exist if all of that shit didn't happen. The things that I wish didn't happen had to. I wouldn't have broken the way I did if there wasn't this perfect stack of just bad that created enough weight to break me. I needed every single element of that to just fucking crush me so that I didn't have an option. I didn't have a choice. I couldn't put pieces back together. I I couldn't try and figure it out with what I had. I had to just go like, okay, well, let's grab a notebook and I guess I have to write new rules for life because that bitch is gone and now I'm sitting here and I can tell you I've lost a lot of people in my life since that time. I've lost a lot of people because I've changed a lot and I was always a people pleaser and I was I was sort of raised with this unsaid sense of just be quiet, do what you're supposed to do, do it well and don't disturb anybody because we have these bigger things over here we have to deal with. And so I learned to just be quiet and then I broke and this new bitch came out of like, fuck, finally, finally, I've been crammed in here. I haven't been able to breathe. It's been fucking stuffy. I've been eating Cheetos. It's getting crowded in here. (laughs) Like, thank you for finally letting me fucking out. Finally, I get to be who I actually fucking am. And the only thing that makes me sad is that I couldn't find a way to let this out any other way. And then it couldn't have happened sooner, but maybe I wouldn't have been prepared for it if it happened sooner. And the consequences might have been much different. So I am thankful for it, even though it was horrible and embarrassing and uncomfortable. I am actually really, really thankful for having a complete and total breakdown that threw me into a mental hospital. For... Being with somebody that completely destroyed me 
which took me a long time to come to terms with that and understanding how I could be grateful for that. But there's certain elements in our life that have to be just so in order to push you. And I don't think any other personality could have fucked me up, honestly, like in the same way to push me to that level of breakage. Everything, everything had to happen how it did. Like I desperately miss my mother. Losing her caused a piece of that breakage, caused weight that I couldn't handle anymore, that I buckled under all of it. Every fucking ounce of it, I have found a way to be thankful for, even though it pains me. I have found a way to be thankful because all of it contributed to this immense weight that was too heavy, that crushed me, that allowed me to come out as something completely different. So that's it. (laughs) Like, that's my story. I hope, I wish I could have given more details to put some stuff into context and maybe... You know, I think I'm trying to justify my level of like breakdown of like, if you really knew, you'd be like, oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, mm, I can see how anybody would break under that. I think there's a part of me because I am embarrassed by the story that I want to justify it and I want to give you the details to make you really see it. But again, I have to respect my own boundaries and my privacy. And so, yeah. That's my uncomfortable story. That's how we are kicking off the Pretty Uncomfortable podcast. I don't know what I'm going to do with this episode. It's really fucking long. Do I break it up? Do I even air this? Do I try and re-record it? I don't know. If I do air this and you've made it this far, thank you. And I do want to end what actually triggered this episode, which I should have probably started with this. Um, Something that kind of triggered and made me go, you know what? this is the time to share this. Like all of this is lining up perfectly with the name change and, and reading this thing. So there's this page that I follow on Instagram, um, called maybe both. And I don't see her posts very often, but this one popped up in my feed and it, it just hit a nerve and was, it was the final, like, yes, I need to do this episode. And because it's about pushing past your comfort zone. And she wrote, I hope you know that you can do things scared, that you can be terrified, disappointed, and devastated and still save yourself. And that really, maybe, is the devastation you feel that will shake you into action. We don't change when we're comfortable. We change when the pain of the present is no longer sustainable. Your life is not sustainable as it is, you know that, but perhaps you've forgotten that you also have the power to change it. When I read that, I was like, well, fuck, fuck that. Yep. All right. It's time to share this uncomfortable story. It's time. It is such a large piece of who I am today. It's where my growth has come from. And yet it's not something I share often. And I certainly don't share all the details. I don't, I don't share my ride in a police car. I don't share the ER nurse taking my my knife that I've always had in my purse that I love, taking that from me and feeling like a child when she took it out of my hand. I don't talk about those things, but they're a huge part of me. And I read that and so that's it. I was kind of uncomfortable. (laughs) On that note, I hope this has helped someone maybe even just knowing 
that you're not alone and maybe knowing that shit can get really, really fucking dark and you can still make it through. It can get super fucking dark and you can still make it through. Who fucking knows? You might make it through and you sit here crying to a podcast. (laughs) Who fucking knows? On that note, I am signing off from the very first episode of the Pretty Uncomfortable Podcast. I hope I didn't make you too uncomfortable. I know I made myself very uncomfortable. I'm going to go get weird. Why don't you go and get weird? It'll make me feel so much better. And next week, we will meet on a much lighter note. And we will talk about something fun like butt plugs. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I just went from a complete and total mental breakdown to butt plugs. You're welcome. I told you not much was going to change here. Thank you for just being the amazing people that you are. I love you guys and I will see you next week.